Hi. Good morning. I'm Scott Boren. I'm one of the uh, teaching pastors around here. Well, at least for uh, a few more days. Uh, we are Sean and I are uh, loading up our kids in a, load, a moving truck this Thursday and moving back to Texas. Yeah. So if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, we uh, we announced that. But uh, this is our last Sunday here with you. And uh, we have lots of mixed emotions about that. This has been a wonderful six years with Woodland Hills. Uh, this is a great place. Uh, God has done a lot in our lives. A lot of uh, transformation and healing and reframing and all kinds of things. And I just want to say a thank you to uh, the leaders here and thank you to all you people here uh, it's been a, a joy to walk with people in leadership at this church who are the real deal. You, the, the hope is that leaders in most churches, or all churches, would actually be authentic and people of integrity. But I'll, I just want you to know um, that the leaders of this church, from the staff, the overseers, the, the key leaders here, are, they're the real thing. They're, the last thing they do is pretend. Uh, I mean, Greg preaches barefooted half the time, so pretension doesn't come with Greg Boyd. Uh, but that isn't just with Greg, but others too. It's it's the it's the authenticity and the, the just the heart after God and really wanting to follow after God and do what God's called this church to be and do is is really woven into the overseers and and the pastors on staff and and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to work with you and it's woven into the volunteer leaders the people I've worked with and small group leaders and coaches into uh, uh, discover Jesus leaders and other leaders I've worked with I just want to thank you for this opportunity to have been able to work with you and share life with you and and uh, uh, just kind of grow up uh, it took me over 40 years to grow up but maybe uh, Maybe I still am growing up uh, and, and be a part of this body. It's been a wonderful thing. And the grace that people here have shown us has been uh, so freeing and loving and, 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 and a place of giving us room to be what God has called us to be is, is an incredible place. And I just want to, this morning, uh, wow, I got through that, through that without any tears. Uh, first two times, that didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> uh, this morning, I just want to share a little of God's grace back with you and hope that God meets you this morning. Let me pray for you and then we're going to dive into God's word and, and see what God has to say. Thank you, Jesus, for this body of believers that, uh, that want to find you and seek you and know you in new ways, that want to have them move through them and be your loving hand in this world. Thank you for this church and this call to be a bridge in this community, to touch people who don't know Jesus, who touch people in need, and uh, to work and partner with other organizations in creative ways. And thank you for the leaders of this church and how you have called this church to, uh, to be a unique kind of church. Um, Lord, we, I, I thank you for this, uh, the last six years and how you've blessed me and Shauna and our kids and Thank you for this, uh, that the opportunity to share God's word this morning. Open our eyes and ears to see what you have to share with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about God's will. 
We've kind of taken a little bit of a detour in the middle of a bigger series on Colossians. We're taking this little mini-series on, on, on the will of God. Greg's first uh, sermon in this series was called God's Will Hunting, kind of a spinoff of Goodwill Hunting, because most of us have questions about the will of God. Do we want, what, what is God's will? Do we know God's will? God, what do you want for me? I would even venture to say that even if you're not interested in doing God's will, you kind of have some interest in knowing what it is. I've been there. Does God want this for my life? I don't know if I want to do it, do what he wants me to do, but still kind of interested. And he is God after all. You know, so these questions of, of God's will. This morning we're going to be talking about making a difference. And I will be... Um, It'll become clear in a little bit about how making a difference relates to God's will. Uh, But these questions that we have about do we buy this house or do we sell this house or do we take this job or do we not take this job? Do we take the promotion or not take the promotion? Do we have another kid or not have another kid? We have choices about that now. Um, (laughs) uh, Do we go to this school or not that go back to school? Do we not go to school? Do we? Uh, buy a car or not buy a car. We have these huge questions about what to do and not to do, and God is interested in those things. I remember years ago uh, when I was single and I was driving an old junker car, and uh, I thought, I want a new car. So I went and picked one out, and I could afford it. And So I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I should go pray about this a little bit. So I was praying about it, and I was thinking, okay, I'm waiting for the yes. Yes, the, the okay to go buy this car, one with air conditioning. That's a good thing. And in Houston, that's a good thing. Uh, and, uh, and I was praying and reading and thinking, and I just felt like in my heart, I didn't hear any kind of audible voice or anything. I just felt like God kind of spoke to me in my, in my heart. Um, I have other uses for that money. I was like, oh, man, God, come on. Do you see this car? Well, six months later, I felt... I, I quit my job and moved to Canada and did my graduate degree up there. I wouldn't have been able to afford that car. I'm so glad I was listening to God's direction because God is interested and God is speaking and God has uh, directions for us. And this has been a big, these kinds of questions have kind of been kind of big for Shauna and myself over the last few months. Do we resign from positions and, and place here of, uh, and, and leave a church that has been such a blessing to us? Is God calling us to Houston and, and being a part of the ministry there? Where do we, and if so, where do we live? What kind of house do we get? Do, are we, are we, is it time to go and be back with family and be back with grand, so our kids, my, our kids can actually know their grandparents and have relationships with their grandparents and help care for, and relate to our, our, our parents in that way? These questions of what do we do is, are, are very concrete for us. As Greg has said in this series on God's will, he has made very clear the fact that the what do we do question must come after the, being, the question about who are you. It's not just what do we do, it's who am I? And because the what do we do comes out of the who we are inside. 
And if we, because if all we're getting from God is direction and specific answers to specific do questions, well, we're no, we're no better than robots. Or a computer, a computer game that's waiting for the, the, the cursor or the, the joystick or whatever it might be, telling the computer what to do. God doesn't want a computer and user relationship with us. God wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants to change us from the inside out. He wants us to know His heart. And we get to know His heart as the who-ness of us changes. And then the do becomes more clear. As Shauna shared last week, we figure out some parts of the do on the road, on the path, as we walk. God doesn't just download a bunch of instructions to you and, says, and say, here's the manual, now go do it. Sometimes I think we expect that. Uh, we, we expect, okay, I'm just going to get all the information and then God tell me what to do and tell me what to be and tell me what job to take and or who to marry now. By the way, because you are all-knowing God, so why don't you just let me in on what you know so that I can do what I'm supposed to do? Again, God wants a relationship with us, and we learn who God is and what God wants on the way, on the path. There is no book, there is no manual, there is no sermon, there's no sermon series that you're going to be walking away from and go, oh, I got God's will down. I'm glad I came to that series that Greg Boyd and those other people did at Woodland Hills. Let me bring out some of my southern accent. i got to practice a little bit. <laughs> because I know how to do God's will now. I'm going to go do it. I've, I've talked to a lot of people. That, well, God spoke to me five years ago about what, I've been, what I'm doing now. I'm like, what's he said lately? Huh? Why do I need to know anything more? I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What's he said lately? How are you walking with him now? On the way. The text that we've been reading regarding this uh, series about God's will comes from Colossians 1. And in this letter, Paul is praying for the church and the people of Colossae. And he says these words, For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. In other words, you be full of the knowledge of his will. Not just, hey, here's a little snippet of what God wants for you, but did you be full of it? Wow, that's something interesting to be full of. That you be full of the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. How do we please Him? This colon gives us a little direction here. How do we please Him in every way? By bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Today we're going to look at this phrase, bearing fruit in every good work. Because here in this phrase is some direction and an answer to the question of what do we do? What do we do? What does God want me to do? Now there are two, to understand this, there are two levels to the what do we do question. The first level is the obvious one. The specific questions that we might have. Do I buy the car or do I not? 
Do I move here and buy this house or not buy this house? Do we get married? Do we not get married? These kinds of big life questions. We want direction. We want God's will. We want God to give us some, some point us in the right direction. Those are, those are important questions to ask. But the what do we do question has another level. It's a little more general. It's a little bit more of a calling type, type question, a life perspective thing. It's the question of what do you put your weight into? What do you, where do you put your energy in whatever you're specifically doing? How do you lend yourself toward and what do you lend yourself toward? And in this verse, Paul is saying that he's praying for them that they know God's will, they full of the knowledge of the will of God, and that they be that part of that knowledge of the will of God is that they be bearing fruit in every good work. Now, I want you to imagine tomorrow you're at your cubicle or at the your garage as a mechanic or wherever you work, and somebody you've been you, one of your friends comes up to you and says, "You know, I, I heard you're a Christian." You're like, yeah, I, yeah, Christian. You go to church, yeah. So, what good's a Christian? Well, we we bear fruit in every good work. And they look at you and like, oh, yeah, that's what I thought. I have nothing to say to you. You see, the language that is used here can be turned into some kind of Christianese. You know what Christianese is? It's kind of that insider language that we use. But it doesn't make sense. We don't, we don't talk that way outside of the Bible or amongst one another. But you have to understand something about what Paul is saying in this letter. He was using street language of the first century. He wasn't using Christianese. There wasn't any, he, the Bible isn't full of Christianese from their perspective. He was using their everyday language. Bearing fruit was kind of common to people who grew up around farms, around fig trees, around things that city folk, don't, we don't see much here. We don't think about. As close as we get to a farm here, this is our front yard. Um, you know, they, they grew up with this concept of bearing fruit, it, it coming, something coming to life. And to understand what Paul is talking about here, we're going to uh, look for and, and, and listen to what he's saying by listening to where he's used this phrase in other places. Here's a little sidebar. When you're reading the Bible and you see a phrase repeated, maybe from a different book of the Bible or from maybe even in, within the same book, here's a little hint. They're probably connected in some way. And when they're connected, you can look at what maybe there's some meaning between the two verses or, or, or stories in the Bible. Now, and the New Testament writers would do this often with the Old Testament. They, would, they were good readers of the Old Testament. They knew their Old Testament, and they would draw from those stories and use phrases from the Old Testament, often in, these, in the stories and the letters of the New Testament. So when you see that, you can read those and see the connections there. Luckily, we don't have to go very far here. We only have to back up three verses. How convenient. And this is, when it's this close together, there's an obvious connection, a very clear connection. In verse 6 of Colossians 1, it says, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as, it's been, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel is bearing fruit. Now, 
Tomorrow, let's imagine the same person is coming up and says, you know, uh, so tell me about this bearing fruit thing. And you say, well, really, it's, it's the gospel that's bearing fruit. And they look at you and go, oh, uh, yeah, I can't talk to you. What? Again, the gospel. Sometimes we, if you've grown up and you've been around the church very long, that word is, is thrown about a lot. You go to the Christian bookstore or go to uh, in, in the Christian section, you'll see different things about the gospel. And again, we've turned that into some kind of Christianese. It's insider language that we know about and, or we assume we know about. I grew up hearing this all the time, but I never knew what it meant. And I never had the guts to really ask, what does gospel mean? Because in the first century, gospel was not a Christian term necessarily. It was a common term. And it meant good news. And you talk about good news with anything. It meant the announcement of victory. It meant the, the proclamation that something good has happened. The proclamation like, no more taxes for the next five years. We'd be jumping up and down. That's good news. The twins win the World Series. Good news. Announcement. Proclaim it. We turn on the 6 o'clock news and something good actually is shown on there. Good news. Announcement. Proclamation. Listen up. That's what's behind the word gospel. But that's not street language for us. That was for them. It was common wording. And behind this word, Paul had things in his, in the people who were reading this understood it to mean things like the coming of God's reign, the coming of God's kingdom, the announcement that God is king and that his goodness is expanding and overcoming the enemy and overcoming evil. That life abundant, free, flourishing is here for us. And that life is abundant and free. Life as it was meant to be. We get to have it now. You see, gospel has been turned into something that happens one of these days. You, you, you pray the prayer now. And you, you watch the Billy Graham television show. You pray the prayer so you can go to heaven one of these days. That's what a lot of people think when they hear gospel. But the gospel in the New Testament has a very here and now meaning. That God has come to set us free. That God is alive and well. That God is here. That He's moving. That God makes a difference in this world. Whoa! You mean we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to figure this out? That God's really here? You see, sometimes I think we, 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 we come to church, we do our thing, and then we're left to ourselves to figure out the rest of it. But God is present. He's ahead of you. He's behind you. He's to your right. He's to your left. He's in you. He's leading you. He's above you. He's below you. He is here and he is and doing and he's at work and he's making a difference. God changes things. The good news of God is really good. And it's active and alive. You see the bearing fruit is good. God is the one who bears fruit. Because, and, that, and if you were to put bearing fruit in common lingo, it'd be something like, God makes a difference. God makes a difference. 
God makes a difference. God makes a difference. The gospel makes a difference in our world. It changes things. It changes the trajectory of history. It changes what we cannot see. It makes space in our life for peace. It makes space in our life for victory. It makes space in our life to overcome things that we think we can't overcome. We are different people today because God makes a difference. I am different. I am free. I am here because God makes a difference. That's good news. That's good. That's good. God's will for you and me is to put our weight, to put our energy, to put our life into that making a difference thing. To, to move forward and to bear fruit in this world because God is doing that in our lives. To allow our lives to make a difference. Now, this making a difference kind of thing came to me kind of backwards a couple of years ago. I was writing a book uh, on small groups and uh, how to do small groups that usually meet in homes. And I sent the book to the publisher and they called me up and they said, we have a new title for you. But they didn't like the one I gave them. That's okay. They usually don't. And they said, it's called Missional Small Groups. But the catcher was the subtitle. And it said, becoming a community that makes a difference in this world. And I'm like, huh, I would have never come up with that. Not because it's a bad title, but because I'm not the kind of person who perceives himself as making a difference. I'm not an activist. I don't pick it. I'm not going to go down to uh, the capital and lobby for something and try to make a difference in that way. I'm not a, uh, going to uh, try to change some kind of huge referendum or, 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 or change the world. I'm not going to start some kind of organization that's going to work with the people who live in the inner city and, or, or go and, and, and start uh, something big like maybe Habitat for Humanity and how Jimmy Carter has lent his name to that and the impact that he's had on that organization and how that organization has impacted many, many families in the United States. I'm not like the missionaries that are out at the hub, the, the Nielsen's. I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, God, I have, I'm not going to go to Mexico and uh, work with orphans. I can barely, you know, I, I barely survived a week mission trip in Mexico one year and it was only at the Texas-Mexico border. Not that Mexico's bad. I just, I'm like, I, it's, I'm not, I'm like, wow, I'm, that's not me. I think about making a difference. I think about something big. I think about something huge. I think about uh, making a splash, making the news, something you could write about. I think about uh, Jackie Pullinger, who has spent her whole life as a single woman in Hong Kong. She worked in what was called the walled city. It's been since torn down, but the walled city was the worst of the worst of the worst drug infested areas in the world and she took her ministry as a, a a white single woman into an asian culture into the inner city into the worst of the places in hong kong and took the gospel there and has a huge impact and i think wow that makes a great story that's made a difference look at this person that's uh, make a difference and the Lord has, has called me and, and had led me to this rethinking about what making a difference is really about. Because I realized that I had these, 
levels of making a difference. That some people make a real difference, and then there are other people, the kind of levels, or there's a second place and a third place. For me, in my mindset, was missionaries were at the top of the rung. In the tradition that I grew up, missionaries were held at a high value, and they made a difference in this world. Then, then there was preaching pastor, the person who would preach every week. That was kind of number two. That was a number two calling. Then number three was kind of like maybe an education pastor or somebody on staff at a church and, or maybe a deacon if it was a smaller church and somebody who was really working with the people and sh- showing leadership and Sunday school teachers maybe and, and then other people that were doing things. And, you know, then at the bottom down here was somewhere youth pastors. They were, I'm not sure where they fell, but they were pretty low on the, at least from my perspective of things that uh, made a difference in, in, for the kingdom of God. And I thought, huh, when I realized when I was in college that I wasn't called to be a missionary, that was kind of crushing. It's like, huh, I can't make as big a splash in this world. I can't, I'm not going to make as big an impact. Then about three years ago, I was, I was doing more speaking and more preaching and doing more teaching. And I was in a situation and kind of praying through some things. And I felt like the Lord was kind of speaking to my heart about to quit teaching and quit preaching for a while. And I thought, huh, there goes my significance there. I had to go to my bosses and say, I feel like this is what God is leading me to do. And I had to move into more of a behind-the-scenes role. And I'm like, wow. Then as I began to think about it, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really an administrative moron. And I'm not joking there. I'm like, okay, there's what, what have I, And then I'm like, youth ministry, I tried that years ago. Enough said. And, you know, when uh, we had to help with some things in, in the children's area and a lot of the staff was pitching in, you know, my boss never asked me to help in the children's area. I wonder why. You know, I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing? I, I, all these things that I thought I could do to make a difference in the world, what are you doing? And he goes, okay, now you're finally asking the right question. It's what am I doing? What is God doing? Not what can you do? See, the question isn't, what do I have to offer? It isn't about how can I make a splash. It isn't about how I can make imp- have an impact. It isn't about me. It's about what God is doing in our world. Because the, it's God's gospel. It's God making a difference. It's God changing the world. It's not me. And that is a very revelatory, eye-opening, curtain-pulling-back rev- revelation. That God is doing this. He's the one who makes the difference. It's Him who works in me if there's anything any good. Because the Spirit is moving in our world. The Spirit is at work. I just happen to get in on the opportunity to be a part of the biggest building project in the history of the world. Because God is in the business of turning evil into good. That's good, and that's huge. And we get to participate in that. That is a big thing. I may be a little bitty ant in God's kingdom, but I get to play in His world. This is how God is working. This is what the God, our God is doing. He is changing evil 
into love. Because God is love. An apple tree produces... Because apples are built into an apple tree's DNA. When God is present, God is love. And love is built into God's DNA. And when God is moving and God is around us and God is making a difference in our world, He makes a difference through His love. And we've got to start there. If you want to know what God is calling you to do, start with the fruit that God produces, which starts with love. And Paul talks about this in uh, Galatians 5.22. And he explains the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to know what God is calling you to do, there it is. Allow the Spirit of God to be that in you. Wherever you are, whenever you are, however you are, whatever you're doing, right here, right now, there it is. Start there. Don't start with anything else. Don't start with big projects. Don't start with, oh, do I make this decision or I make this decision? Be that. And the clarity will come as you walk with Him. This will make a difference. This stuff right here changes the world. Get that. This stuff changes everything. More than money. You might think, I don't have much to give. I can't support those missionaries in, 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 in Mexico, the Nielsen's, I, I, or those, those kids. I, maybe five months, five dollars, five dollars a month. Five dollars given with love can change the world. Much more than a thousand given out of extra. Nothing, you know, a thousand given out of love, that's fine too. But don't despise what you have to give when it's given out of love. Money or, or offering or a gift of your time or your energy or anything. Give it with these gifts. With the, with, give it with this, this fruit of the Spirit and it changes our world. It makes a footprint in our world. It makes an impact in our world. It's kind of like carbon footprinting. You know what carbon foot, uh, a carbon footprint is? Every day you wake up, <coughs> you're, you, you hit the clock, the alarm clock. That alarm clock impacts our world. It uses electricity that puts off certain things that has impact upon our physical world. You drive your car, that car it takes up gas and it has a carbon footprint upon our world. You take an airplane, it has a carbon footprint. And people often will ca- calculate how much of a carbon footprint they make and see how many trees they need to plant to counteract that carbon footprinting. It, it's, it's, we, we make an impact upon our physical world just because we are alive. Nothing you can do about it. It's just the reality of life. Our existence makes a footprint. It changes things. It it changes our physical world and it changes our spiritual and emotional and relational world. Your existence impacts our world. It changes history. You might think, well, not me. I'm just a little old guy. I don't do much significant. What What can I have to offer? Well, there's a story, a quite famous story... It's in a movie called It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey thinks he wants to do something grand and great. He's really smart, he's very talented, and he wants to travel the world. He wants to get a big-time job and be somebody significant. He wants to move out of Bedford Falls, get away from the family business, 
and do something big and make a name for himself. But due to a lot of different circumstances, he stuck in Bedford Falls with the family business called the Bailey Building and Loan. And he does the business, he does the job, he, he raises a family, and he begins to despise, he, he always despised the work. He despised the building and loan because it kept him in Bedford Falls, and he's got a house that's falling apart, and his life, everybody needs something from him. And, but along the way, he, he helps people out, and he, start, he, he starts a house, you know, funds a the, the bank or the building and loan is able to start Bailey Park, and it's got houses in it for people who, who can't afford houses, that, uh, bigger houses. And uh, he's able to help people along the way. And when he was a kid, he was, he was just a good kid who, when he was working for a drugstore, he kept Mr. Gower from accidentally poisoning someone. And, and you just see the, along the way the, the impact, this normal average person had but then something happens and the bank is going to go under uh, by accident and by an act because of an accident and he feels like a failure he feels like uh, he just hates his life and he says and he wishes that he was never born and he gets the opportunity to see his life as if he had never been born we're going to look at a couple of clips from the movie that reveal this. Hey, 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 where'd the building and loan move to? Building and what? The Bailey building and loan was up there. They went out of business years ago. Oh, no, Ernie, straighten me out here. Look, I, I got some bad liquor or something. Listen to me. Now, you're Ernie Bishop, and you live in Bailey Park with your wife and kid. That's right, isn't it? You seen my wife? Seen your wife? I've been to your house a hundred times. Look, bud, what's the idea? I live in a shack in Pottersfield. My wife ran away three years ago and took the kid, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? That's all right. Go on, Ann. Martini's a friend of mine. Hey, you roomy there. Come in. Come in. Didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? Huh? Mr. Gower. What? What? Mr. Gower, that's George Bailey. Don't you know me? Oh. No. Trauma. Trauma. Mr. Gower! Hey, what is it? Hey, Nick. Nick, isn't that Mr. Gower the druggist? You know, that's another reason for me not to like you. That rumhead spent 20 years in jail for poisoning a kid. If you know him, you must be a jailbird yourself. Uh, would you show these gentlemen to the door? Sure. This way, gentlemen. Stay out. You see, George, you were not there to stop Gower from putting that poison into the capsule. What do you mean I wasn't there? Remember the stick? Hey, what's going on around here? What? Well, this ought to be Martini's place. Look, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that.
What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Our life, every day, makes footprints. You don't have any choice there. You impact people. You make a difference. What kind of a difference? Our choices, our breath, our very love or lack of love changes things. I was driving up here last night to preach this and it hit me. Every prayer I pray changes the world. Wow. Not because I'm a great prayer, but because of the God I pray to. Because our God is alive and well in this world. I, can, I have the opportunity as a part of being a, a member of the biggest project in the history of mankind to change the world with little prayers. And the little things that happen in our life. And often, as in the case with uh, George Bailey, it's the stuff that we get tired of. The mundane, normal, boring repetitive things that fill most of our lives cooking dinner every day cleaning a house every day getting up and going to work every day changing a diaper more than every day (laughs) who are you in those situations what kind of fruit what kind of difference are you making it's the little stuff The little things that we do where we have the opportunity to make a difference. It's the relationships with our neighbor. It's the relationships with people that are friends that we don't particularly care for or like anymore. Where we have the opportunity to show them love. It's it's, when we start praying and say, Lord, give me a heart for them. And we realize that we've forgiven them because they did us wrong a few years ago. And we start loving them. And we're actually opening them up to conversation and maybe get to speak God's love to them down the road. But it's because we are offering them this fruit, this fruit of love, this fruit that God offers them. And we have this opportunity to work with God in little ways, in big way, some big ways, but most of the time it's little stuff. It's the normal stuff of things that we do in our home it's the stuff that we do at work it's the stuff we do as we drive around town it's the stuff we do as we relate to people and god wants to give us the the, this fruit of love and joy and peace make us into these new people who make a difference in our world what an incredible thing what an incredible thing lord jesus i pray that you would Show us how to be this and how open our eyes and, and greater ways to participate in this with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are prayer teams here at the front who will spend all the time in the world to pray for you and meet with you. If you want to start a relationship with this one who loves you, start, initiate a new relationship with God, they will also pray with you for that as, as, this morning if you have a desire for that. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. Amen.